This afternoon, we are studying what Scripture teaches us about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, as summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 20 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 20, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me, by true faith, share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. Thus far, a reading of our confession. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, over the last few months we've experienced a long cold winter. Uh, temperatures routinely uh, dipped below the minus 30s. And seeing the snow just kept coming I, as I was in my study uh, yesterday afternoon, I just could not believe how hard it was snowing again at uh, this point in March. Uh, just the snow keeps piling up. And when we get to this point of winter, I think I have this pretty much every year, I think to myself, are the plants going to grow again? Are the trees really going to bud and sprout leaves on them? Are the flowers going to bloom? Everything seems completely dead, just devoid of life. And yet, thankfully, by God's power every year, they do the sun is climbing higher in the sky, the snow changes to rain, and the weather does warm up. I looked at the forecast for this week and saw it's going to be two degrees this week at least. It'll be a day of celebration, two degrees. And, but yeah, Lord willing, it'll get warmer and the plants will grow again, especially the flowers. To see the flowers would be so nice. You get that same sort of thing in the desert too. Uh, lands devoid of life. They look like they don't have any life at all. Uh, suddenly they get uh, a massive amount of rain in a short time, and, and the desert can, can bloom. It's quite amazing, the change that can, can be made. And I say this because this is how Scripture describes the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Psalm 104 talks about creation being renewed as the Spirit uh, works in the earth. And here's one example also from Isaiah 44. The Lord says, I will pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. And this is why the Nicene Creed also refers to the Holy Spirit as the Lord and giver of life. The Lord and giver of life. The Holy Spirit brings life. Life to us. Life to this world. Um, and that's why also the person and work of the Holy Spirit is good news for us. Us as God's children. The Holy Spirit has brought life to people who were dead in sin. The Spirit brings healing to a hurting world. The good news of the Holy Spirit is a reason to rejoice. So this afternoon, I preach you God's word under the following theme, the good news of the Holy Spirit. 
we will look at, first of all, the person of the Holy Spirit, and second of all, the saving work of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we begin this first point, I'm going to begin with a very basic statement. might seem obvious, but it's important. Uh, There is a wrong way to study the Bible, and there is a right way to study the Bible. Now, I know that's very obvious, but the wrong way is to limit what the Bible can say based on our own human reasoning. That we limit what Scripture says based on what we uh, can reason logically in our mind. That's the wrong way to read the Bible. For example, if someone believes that, well, miracles are impossible and that's what they believe before they come to Scripture, then he or she might just try to explain away all the miracles that we read in Scripture. So that's the wrong way. The right way is to listen closely to what the Bible says and submit our minds to that, what we read there. We should ask, what is God saying here and, and here and here? And I have to submit my, my thinking to, to God's Word. And then to take all those things together, accept what God says in, in every part of Scripture. And this is the approach we must take as we study the doctrine of the Trinity and also as we focus in on the person of the Holy Spirit this afternoon. As we listen carefully to what God says in all of Scripture, then the doctrine of the Trinity naturally rises out of the Bible. But if we think in our own logical reasoning that this is impossible, then we'll try to explain away what Scripture teaches. But if we listen carefully, the doctrine of the Trinity, including uh, the divinity of the Holy Spirit, arises out of the, the Bible. And this is the approach of the Athanasian Creed. The Athanasian Creed is our longest uh, creed, teaches the doctrine of the Trinity. And regarding the Trinity, we can hear this approach to studying Scripture in the Athanasian Creed when it says, Just as we are compelled by Christian truth to acknowledge each person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, separately to be both God and Lord, so we are forbidden by the Catholic religion to speak of three gods or Lord. This is how we came to the truth of the Trinity, including the confession that the Holy Spirit is true God. As we study Scripture, we see each person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is true God, but there is only one God. In the first point, we're going to apply this method of studying Scripture to the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to overwhelm you with Scripture passages, but I will cite many passages in Scripture uh, to show, show this at work. And we hope to see that Scripture does give rise to our confession in Lord's Day 20, the Holy Spirit is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Now, when we study what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, one of the first things that stands out is that the Holy Spirit is a distinct person. Distinct person. Holy Spirit is not a force, like gravity or some type of energy. He is a person. And again, this teaching arises out of the Bible. 
Consider these things the Scriptures say. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. You do not grieve on impersonal forms. The Holy Spirit testifies about certain truths. We read that in in Hebrews 10. The Holy Spirit testifies to this, it says. Uh, The Holy Spirit can be lied to. Think of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. The Holy Spirit can forbid someone from doing certain things. In Acts 16, the Spirit forbade the Apostle Paul from preaching in Asia. The Holy Spirit also has a will and makes decisions. Consider 1 Corinthians 12. Spiritual gifts in the church are all empowered by one and the same Spirit who distributes to each person individually as he wills. As the Spirit himself determines. So these are all things that clearly show the Spirit is a person. And there are also times in Scripture where the Holy Spirit speaks directly. And yes, all of Scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but there's a, there's a unique character to a few verses in the book of Acts. In Acts 10, the apostle Peter saw a vision. While he was contemplating the vision, we read, The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. For I, that's the Holy Spirit, I have sent them. And then there's also Acts 13, which we read. A number of men in the church in Antioch were worshiping the Lord and fasting. There we read, while they were doing this, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So taking all of these things from all these parts of Scripture, we see this arises out of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person. It's not a force. He is not an it. We should not refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. He is a person. So that's the first thing we conclude about the Holy Spirit from the Bible. The second thing is this. The Holy Spirit is distinct from both the Father and the Son. A distinct person. And one of the greatest heresies that plagued the early church was the false teaching of Uh, It was called modalism. What was that? Modalism taught that there was only one God, but this one God sometimes appeared as a father, at other times as the son, and at other times as the spirit. That's false teaching of modalism. That clearly contradicts what the Bible teaches. The spirit is clearly distinguished from the father and the son. Think only of the baptism of Jesus The Son was in the water being baptized. The Father's voice was heard from heaven. And then the Spirit at that time descended on Jesus Christ in the form of a dove. There they were, all three persons, present simultaneously, distinct from each other. We could cite many more passages, but that makes it clear enough. Now, there's one more thing that arises out of Scripture concerning the Holy Spirit. Studying Scripture, what it says about the Holy Spirit, shows us the Holy Spirit 
is also true God. Consider these things the Bible says about him. The Spirit is called the eternal Spirit in Hebrews 9. He was never created. He always existed, as the Father did and as the Son always existed. The eternal Spirit. The Holy Spirit also inspired the Scriptures. What does that mean, that the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures? Well, it means that when humans wrote the words of the Bible, they were so moved by the Holy Spirit that what the human authors wrote was just what the Spirit wanted them to write. We saw that in Hebrews 10. Uh, In that passage, the author of Hebrews quotes two verses from Jeremiah 31 in the Old Testament. And what does he say about these words from the prophet Jeremiah? He says they were spoken by the Holy Spirit. So in the Bible, the Word of God, it's the Spirit speaking. This is not to say that human authors were not involved in writing the Bible. They were. You can know what you have in the Bible. It's the very words of the Holy Spirit. First and foremost, being that the case, what's the consistent message also of the Bible? The Scripture is the Word of God, the very Word of God. In it, we have God's will, we have God's promises, we have God's truth, we have God's own words. What did Christ say when he was tempted by the devil? Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was talking about the words of the Bible. The words that were spoken by the Holy Spirit. Those words that were spoken by the Holy Spirit are the words that come forth from the mouth of the Lord because the Holy Spirit is true God. We could go on and on in this same fashion. Take for, the example, uh, take, for example, the fact that the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. can be blasphemed. Uh, also, believers, we are called temples of the Holy Spirit. How could we be a temple of someone who is not God? That would be idolatry. Being temples of the Holy Spirit means we are temples of God. That's because God lives in the hearts of believers. Finally, consider 1 Corinthians 2. It says, The Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. God the Father. How could the Holy Spirit search the depths, the unfathomable depths of God? If he himself were not God, it would be impossible. So seeing all this, it's no wonder that the Apostle Peter, uh, he said to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, when they lied about the money, he said, you have not lied to men. When you lied to the Holy Spirit, you lied to God. And that brings us back to our confession in the Athanasian Creed. We are compelled by Christian truth to acknowledge each person separately, including the Holy Spirit, 
to be God and Lord. Brings us to our second point. So it was important for us first to establish a proper understanding of who the Spirit is. He's a person, distinct from the Father and the Son, also true God. And seeing this will help us to, to greater understand and rejoice in the saving work of the Holy Spirit. Consider the, the next truth we confess in Lord's Day 20. The Holy Spirit is also given to me. Holy Spirit is true and eternal God. The Holy Spirit is also given to me. True God given to me. And isn't that astounding? If I can put it this way, isn't that enough to knock your socks off? This is the most amazing truth in the entire world. The Holy Spirit, true and eternal God. And the Holy Spirit given to me, given to you. The Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. You see why the Holy Spirit is good news. This is amazing. And this should make us stand in awe of also uh, the humility, the, the humble service of the Holy Spirit. You know, Scripture often focuses on the humility and the servant attitude of Christ, the Son of God, and rightly so. Uh, the Scripture focuses on, a, on it a lot. Look at what he did for us, humbling himself, uh, becoming a man, that he would suffer and die for our sins. You know, he, he did this for us. But it's similar to the self-denying work of the Spirit. The Spirit is true God. Holy, a majestic, eternal, infinite. And yet he is willing to live in us, a sinful, weak, and finite uh, beings. It's amazing. He comes to live in your heart with all of our weaknesses, with all of our shortcomings that are expressed every day, all of our failures. And the Holy Spirit, he knows at some point that uh, he, we will grieve him by our sin. And yet, he's still willing to make his home uh, within us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's never an excuse to live a life of sin, far from it. But it highlights the utter selflessness of the Spirit in our salvation, uh, willing to live in, in weak people who have, who have many shortcomings, who, who stumble in many ways. And so we praise our God for this. Holy Spirit, true, eternal God, also given to me. And there's a simple but important truth that we can draw out of this. Uh, those who have the Holy Spirit have undoubtedly been accepted by God. Right? Those who have the Spirit, who is true God, are not, they're not the enemies of God. 
No, they are emphatically the children of God, those who have the Spirit. The Scriptures testify that all believers have the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says in Acts 15 about the Gentiles. God, who knows the heart, bore witness to the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. You see, the Holy Spirit's given to believers. And because he is true God, it's unshakable proof that believers have been accepted by God. We are God's children. This is what Galatians 4 is getting at also. There we read, Because you are sons, sons of God, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God has given us the Spirit of adoption whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So we are heirs. We are heirs of God. Galatians 4 says that God has given us the spirit of his Son. See, the Holy Spirit uh, proceeds from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit connects us to Christ and all his benefits. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts. See, the Holy Spirit lives in Christ, and he also lives in us. So there's, there's that connection between us and Christ that way. As believers, we are joined to Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives in Christ and lives in us who believe. And through that connection by the Spirit, we share in all of Christ's benefits. That's what Lord's Day 20 also uh, says the Holy Spirit is also given to me to make me my true faith share in Christ and in all his benefits. What are those saving benefits we receive in Christ by the Spirit? Well, uh, we could point to Hebrews 10, our reading from Hebrews 10. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 14 says about Christ's sacrifice, by a single offering, Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And so what, uh, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit applies this offering uh, made by Christ on the cross. He applies it to us as he works faith in our hearts. So the benefits of Christ's sacrifice once for all uh, given on the cross are applied to us by the power of the Holy Spirit as he works faith in your hearts. And as a result, Hebrews 10 immediately quotes Jeremiah 31, where God promises, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. The Holy Spirit has connected us to that amazing benefit of Christ's sacrifice. So God will no longer remember your sins through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. That's not all. As the Holy Spirit connects us to Christ, God the Father can essentially treat us as if we were Christ himself. That's what it means to be a son, a child of God, because we are children in Christ. And so Christ is heir of the world. 
and we too are heirs of the world in Him. Christ is righteous before the Father because of His perfect life. And we are counted righteous before the Father because of the same obedience of Christ. Christ has full and complete access to the Father in heaven. And so do we in Christ by the Spirit who joins us to Christ. Listen to Ephesians 2 verse 18. Through Christ, we have access in one Spirit to the Father. Through Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Christ has eternal, never-ending life within himself through his resurrection. The Holy Spirit makes us share in Christ's resurrection, so we have something of that eternal life now already. This not only means that we have eternal life, it means that Jesus Christ himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit, He changes us, gives us a new heart, He gives us new desires so that we can finally live for God. Without the Holy Spirit, we would remain as slaves to sin. Even if we worked really hard in our own strength to get rid of a vice or to keep a New New Year's resolution or something like that, our fundamental nature would not be changed. But through the Holy Spirit and in Christ, we are changed. We are new. And Christ will continually renew us and and change us day by day. And even though our old nature still plagues us every day, we can live for God by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Yes, you may face temptation and sinful desires may seem so strong and stronger than you are, but we have someone stronger than sinful desires within us. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can win the war against sin and temptation. And even if we still see many weaknesses in us, it doesn't mean the Spirit is not at work. Our weaknesses just impress upon us that would be, it would be impossible to persevere in faith if we were left to our own strength. The Spirit, by His grace, has not cast us off. It's by the Spirit that we persevere in the Christian faith, no matter how hard the devil may attack us. As we confess, the Spirit is not only given to me to comfort me, but to remain with me forever. Forever. Does not leave us. He's committed to the long haul. The Holy Spirit is called a down payment on our inheritance or or a guarantee. Three times he's described this way in Scripture. The down payment... Uh, of our inheritance. When you make a big purchase, say of a house or a, a car, a new car, you'll, you'll make a down payment on that, that new house or that car. You pay a certain percentage of the total cost of the house or car up front. And why do you make that down payment? Well, it assures the seller that you are committed to carrying through uh, with the rest of the payments. You're giving assurance that you will 
uh, complete the rest of the payments. Now, in a similar way, God has given believers the Holy Spirit as a down payment of our eternal inheritance. He's giving us assurance that he intends to bring us all the way home. He's committed to it. Now, we know that sometimes in life, for us, things don't quite work out. Humans make a down payment on something, but then they fail to carry through with the rest of the payments. Perhaps we make a wild change of mind, give up on our purchase. Perhaps um, paychecks stop flowing. We cannot uh, make our payments. That is possible with humans, but it is not possible with God. God is never caught in a situation where he makes a down payment and can't follow through. He never has a moment where he says, no, I acted foolishly, I acted too soon. I wasn't thoughtful enough when I made this down payment, I changed my mind. Now, God has a steadfast purpose, a plan. He works all things according to his perfect and unchanging will. When he makes a down payment, which the Holy Spirit is in the hearts of believers, we can be sure that he will carry it through to the end. He will bring us to eternal life. So we can confess in Lord's Day 20, the Holy Spirit is also given to me to remain with me forever. Praise God for the good news of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's now indeed praise our God uh, by singing together hymn 47, the stanzas 2, 4, and 5. <clears throat> 